and that any argument that anyone presented on either side could be defeated. That was one of the things you learned, that if you, if you knew enough sources, if you had enough, you know, this was the expertise of the art, and you just could not come to conclusive truth in that way. And then the scriptures appear vinam. They may appear to contradict each other. And Krishna says to Arjuna, for those who have been honored, dishonor is worse than death. And then he says, who cares about honor and dishonor? Be detached from this honor and dishonor business. So that appears very contradictory. And Arjuna keeps asking Krishna, well, you're telling me booty yoga, and then you're telling me to fight. You're telling me to give up all abominable actions, then you're telling me to fight. So the scriptures may appear contradictory. So if we really want to understand why we are suffering and how to get free from suffering, then mahajanayenagatasapanta. We have to follow the path of the mahajanas. And what they do is they surrender. They say, Lord, I can't figure this out with logic. I can't figure it out just by studying the scriptures. I can only figure it out by surrender. And Prabhupada says twice here he's quoting the Brahma Samhita, Yasvindra Gopa Matavendra Mahosva Karma, Bandhana Rupa Palabhaja Namatanoti, Karma Dinirdhati Kintus Bhakti Bhakti. That whether you are the great Indra or you are a little insect, if you surrender to Krishna, then these things are no longer applicable. And we can think of this again logically. The people in this story were acting very fruitively. Therefore, the laws of fruit of action applied to them. If you act as a fruitive person, then the laws of fruit of action will apply to you. Like if you go play football, then the rules of football apply to you. If you're not playing football, the rules of football do not apply to you. It's just a very simple thing. Yes? If you say, I am going to go play football then there are rules. You have to follow those rules. But if you walk away from the field, you say, I'm, I'm quitting the game, then those rules do not apply to you as we are walking home. So if we no longer act for our own sense enjoyment, subtle or physical, all these people here, they were acting, everybody, this is clear to everyone. Chitraketu was acting for his own sense gratification. Ritaduti was acting for her own sense gratification. The queens who murdered the child were acting for their own sense gratification. They were not acting for the good of others. They certainly were not acting for the good of the citizens. They weren't acting for the good of others and their family. They were not acting for the good of the citizens. And they certainly were not acting to please the Lord. So therefore they came under the laws of karma. And therefore the person who was their enemy in another life came back to give them trouble. And there's nobody to blame for that other than themselves. But she's wrong. We can't have affection for others, even if they might die tomorrow, if that affection for others is coming from our affection for Krishna. I think all of us in our lives we deal with other living beings, yes? And if we see 
It's Krishna who's asking me to deal with this living being. I'm taking care of this living being for Krishna. Even they may be a family member. But whether it's, okay, I'm in charge of the brahmachari ashram, I have to take care of these other brahmacharis for Krishna. It's, it's like if you're sitting outside and there's a young child and the, the mother is there and she says, oh, I need to use the toilet. Can you watch my child? How carefully would you watch that child? Honestly, you will probably watch that child more carefully than if they were your child. Like the maidservant in the story, she was completely devastated that the child died under her care. If we say to somebody, you know, my son, my sister is going to come to Ljubljana, can you show her around? Right? Just imagine someone, good, very good friend of yours, calls you and says, my brother's coming to Ljubljana for the first time. He wants to come to the temple. You would take so much care, yeah? Oh, this is my friend's brother, my friend's sister. We should see like that. My husband, my wife, my son, my daughter, my mother, my father, the other devotees. They don't belong to me. They belong to Krishna. And Krishna is giving them to me for some time. It may be one minute only. It may be two seconds. This is true even of the person we pass on the street. I like to take a walk every morning, get some exercise. And I don't know, today there were so many people in the park. I guess because it's a weekday, I don't know. Usually there's more people on a weekend than on a weekday morning. So many people walking and running and bicycling through the park. And I'm also thinking, anyone I pass in the park, Krishna has put me next to this person. You know, I was chanting jobless, I didn't want to talk to anybody, and anyway, I don't think most of them speak English. But at least I could smile at them. How can I deal with this jiva to please Krishna? Or like Prabhupada says, when you pick a flower from a plant and you offer it to the deity, that that plant will take birth as a human being. So I was picking flowers for my deities also. On the way back, there's this plant that has these purple flowers that are so fragrant. When I put them on my altar, the whole room becomes perfumed for the whole day. But how do I treat the plant? That's also a jiva. Say thank you for giving me these flowers. These flower, your flowers are going to go to Krishna. I hope you will be happy. We can have affection for the plants, for everyone, to please Krishna. And if we do that, then we're not fruit of actors. Then if that person, the person we are taking care of, if they're nice to us, they're not nice to us. Because some people we will take care of will not treat us well in return. Yes, we all have this experience. I take care of someone, I sacrifice for someone, I do a lot for someone, and in return they are simply not there, or maybe even there, cruel to me. But it won't matter, because I'm not doing it for them, I'm doing it for Krishna. If, I'm, if my relationship with them lasts three seconds, or it lasts three years, or 30 years, it doesn't matter. I'm doing it for Krishna. 
Right? There's a story I frequently tell. This is a true story. So there was this one Jewish rabbi who had two sons. They were older than Chitraketu's son. I think they were our teenagers. And they were great scholars, very gentle. They were very loved by the whole community. And one day when the rabbi was out teaching, both of his sons contracted some disease and died very quickly. Now there are some diseases that kill one very quickly. And when he came home, the sons were already dead. So his wife met him at the door. And she said, my dear husband, sometime previously a merchant was traveling through this town and asked me to watch two jewels for him until he returned. So in former times, there, there wasn't necessarily banks. Like it said, Rupa Goswami, when he renounced, he deposited gold coins with a merchant. And he told Sanatan, you can go there to, to get the coins. So people would keep their valuables with friends or with a merchant. So she said, some uh, merchant came and gave me these two jewels. And today he came and asked for them back. And the husband said, well, you must return them. So this is the mood of the devotee. Even my children, Krishna gives, Krishna takes away. They're his. And they don't belong to us. My pleasure is not in enjoying my children. My pleasure is not in enjoying my spouse. My pleasure is not in enjoying my friends. My pleasure is how much is Krishna pleased by my behavior. Now you might say, but what about the great lamentation of the devotees when another devotee departs? But that lamentation is not for their sense gratification. So the devotee, they lament when another devotee dies simply because in that devotee's association they were feeling so much Krishna's presence. But that is not a lamentation for their sense gratification where they are blaming Krishna. And once we surrender to Krishna we immediately understand all these things. It becomes immediately clear what we cannot understand with logic, what we cannot understand just by memorizing the Shastra, as soon as we act in surrender, we understand. And Prabhupada says here, if we understand, then we are immediately free. Questions, comments, additions, subtractions? Yes, Yes. So uh, affection remains 
even greater probability. It's a commentary, not so I'm just asking if you can add something. I, I'm so glad you brought this up, and hearing you, I'm thinking I could have given a completely different class. I thought I could have given this class on the comparing Kritiduti to Kunti. So, I hope next time you go through the Bhagavatam, and the next person who speaks on this verse, maybe they'll think of that. And the fact that you brought that up reminds me of when I teach people how to give class. I always say that, as far as I am convinced, in every verse in purport, there's at least 200 main principles that you can find to speak about. So, you found a different one uh, than, than I chose. And I really like that you brought this up. Do you know it? Does she use the same word, Sneha Pasta? Yeah, the same. same. The same term. How fascinating that is. That is absolutely fascinating. So here Kritiduti is criticizing Krishna for cutting the Sneha Pasta, and there Kunti is asking him to cut the Sneha Pasta. Ah, very nice. It, and it, it is interesting, Srila Prabhupada, in his, it's not in the purport, it's in the class on that verse which is in the purport to teachings of Queen Kunti. So if you look in the Bhagavatam 1.8, it's not there, but if you look in the teachings of Queen Kunti, it's there. Where Prabhupada says, seeing in the darkness is not seeing, seeing in the light is seeing, and the real relation is soul to soul via the super soul. And what Kunti wants to cut is this false fruit of thing. Because look what happens when you have this false fruit of thing. You become crazy like these people. They've all lost it. All of them. I mean, the other queens lost their intelligence so badly, they murdered a child. Kritiduti's lost her intelligence so much, she's blaming God. You know, Chitraketu, Kritidu, they're all like... We describe they're slipping and falling, they're crying, their clothes are coming off, they're, they, they're completely lost their intelligence. And that's what happens if you're bound. Sneha Pasa, Pasa is a rope. What is the Bhagavatam also called? Ridaya Grantha. It's this, this knot in the heart. And all it does is cause us suffering. I mean, when Kitraketu was told his child will cause you suffering, he thought, well, he'll be the only child of the king, he'll be spoiled, and maybe I'll suffer that way, but at least I'll have a child. What a fool. Our suffering is not due to the things that happen in our life. Our suffering is due to our attachment. Our trying to force things to go the way that we want them to go. And we should all want this cut. Sarvapati Vinir Muktantat Partena Nimala Rishikesha Rishikena Sevanam Bhakti Ruchite. You're asking, that's another definition of pure devotional service. So, what is it that's making us suffer? It's these upadis. Things have to go this way, they have to go that way. You know, something's not happening the way I want it. I have to fix it now and make it the way I want it. And it is that mentality that causes the suffering. So yes, it, it, definitely more affection 
the affection that, that the pure devotees have for each other. I mean, you read the song, Sri Rupa Manjari Pada. What a song! If I don't see you, it's like I'm being bitten by a poisonous snake. You know, I told you I'm reading now in the end of Anchalila. Mahaprabhu's having these lamentations. He's, he's reciting these verses of Radharani in lamentation. I can't see you, Krishna. Anyone who hasn't heard Krishna's ankle bells, Krishna's flute, Krishna's voice, they might as well be deaf. How will I go on without you? I mean, deep, intense. So intense. And I notice you have the cows around Gornitai. I'm thinking Gornitai don't generally take out the cows. But there was one time, of course, here's Mahaprabhu were worshipping him in his Grahasta Lila. But in, in his Sanyas Lila, there's one time that in ecstasy he goes among the cows. Right? He goes into this ecstatic trance of separation. So what intense! And they have that for the devotees. The song, Sri Rupa Manjari Pada, it's describing intense, intense attachment for another devotee. That's very similar to what Mahaprabhu is describing with Krishna. It's practically parallel. And, and what is, right, when Ramananda Roy asked Mahaprabhu, what is the greatest suffering? Right? Or is it Mahaprabhu asking Ramananda Roy? Mahaprabhu asking Ramananda Roy, what is the greatest suffering? And Ramananda Roy says, the greatest suffering is? Yes, to be separated from the devotees. So I like to tell the story how in 76, when we were meeting with Prabhupada in New York, and our oldest son, who was about one and a half at that time, was sitting on my lap. And Prabhupada was talking to my father, and he pointed to me, and he said, just like this mother is loving her son without expectation of return, one should love Krishna. Here we see Kritiduti and Chitraketu, they had some expectation of return. And my father asked Prabhupada, Will loving her son help her to love Krishna? And Prabhupada said, no, loving Krishna will help her to love her son. So, yes, when we establish relationships with each other, that this is another soul, this is a devotee, even someone who's not acting as a devotee, Jivara Swarupaya Krishna and Nichidash, they're ultimately, they're a devotee. If we establish our relationships on that platform, then there's a rope of affection between us and the Lord that is very beautiful. Like it's described, you know, Krishna's relationships with the gopis is like gold, and the relationship between ordinary men and women in the world is like iron. So there's still a rope binding us to the Lord and to the devotees, but it's like a golden rope. It's not a Shame. And in Madhava Mahotsava, at the end, so Radharani's crowned the queen of Vrindavan. And she looks at everyone and she says, My blessing to all of you is all of you who are bound, you can be liberated. And immediately her friends begin to cry. 
They say, we don't want to be liberated from your service. We want to be bound. So, thank you. That would have been a really nice class. I missed it. No, tomorrow the next verse. I could I could connect it. Not really. I'll think about it. But the next verse is different. Any quest- other questions or comments? A little controversial um, topic these days. You mentioned this flower offering to. Oh, you're going to talk about cows. Hallelujah. <laughs> I was right, right? You're going to talk about cows. I don't know if I want to go there. I'm not sure if I want to. Usually I go, usually I go head on into controversial topics. But, uh, I mean, when Prabhupada was here, we were buying milk from the shop. And, and certainly, you know, our philosophy is if the cows give their milk that they're benefited, if the trees give their flowers, they're benefited. At the same time, Srila Prabhupada told us to have our own farms and take care of our own cows. So both are true. I, I think that if we start saying, you know, one is more true than the other... They're both true. And it's part of our mission to try to stop the slaughter of cows and make sure that cows are protected. That's part of our mission. I do think that there is some, I mean, my my academic specialty is in motivation. So I did my my doctoral thesis on job satisfaction and motivation. So it is a fact that if we just buy commercial milk to offer, our motivation to take care of cows is not so great. You know, there's that saying, if you can buy milk in the market, why keep a cow? I mean, that refers to something else. That refers to if you can have a girlfriend without taking care of her, why have a wife? The, the understanding but that's yeah if you can buy milk in the market why keep a cow and so that that fact may be pushing us away from wanting to have farms and taking care of cows and I, I think that that's the main argument that as long as we go on supporting the slaughterhouse industry with our buying of dairy products that we lose our impetus because having a farm and taking care of cows is a big deal. I ever won GBC many years ago, 13 years ago, said I want to start a school. So I have a prepared paper of how to start a school. So I printed that out and gave it to him. So he's looking this over. He says, oh, this is much more complicated than building a guest house. <laughs> so it's like that, you know, taking care of cows. I mean, I was in one city temple where the temple president, in the middle of the city, like this, and the temple president wanted to bring some cows from India and keep them in a garage and take them for a walk up and down the street like a dog. So 
You know, I know people who take care of cows. I have some very close friends who take care of cows. Some of them take care of cows like a pet. You know, they don't. Which Prabhupada was not really, you know, Prabhupada cautioned us, if you don't milk the cow, if you don't work the bull, then eventually you'll think they're a burden and you'll want to kill them. So the people I know that take care of cows responsibly, it's a huge job. You've got to milk that cow twice a day. You've got to train the bulls. You know, you've got to keep them clean. You've got to keep them healthy. You've got to give them healthy food. It's a lot of work. And it's, you know, it's something like having a child that doesn't grow up. You know, taking care of animals like that. You know, they live for a long time. You're looking at 15, 20 years commitment. So you, we can understand why people don't want to do that, and especially if we have a city temple, you know, to establish a farm somewhere. Just like we established Gitanagari, which is like a four-hour drive from New York, and it was connected to the New York temple. So we were supposed to be bringing all the dairy products to New York, but it was a four-hour drive each way. You know, it's, it's a little hard to maintain that. That kind of... Because Prabhupada was saying we can have milk products on the farms and we can bring it to the city and we can use it in the restaurants. You know, but that implies that the farm has to be like not more than a 20-minute drive. So I, I understand that if we buy commercial milk, we're not going to want to take the trouble. And if we don't buy commercial milk, maybe we'll want to offer Krishna milk products badly enough but then what a, what a lot of devotees do is they say, okay, we'll just be vegans. So giving up buying commercial milk does not push them to starting having you know, cow care programs. It just pushes them to giving up dairy altogether. And Prabhupada talked about the benefit of cow's milk for our brain, particularly the fat in the cow milk. Our brain is like 60-70% fat. And the kind of fats we eat directly have an effect on how our brain works. Plus, Krishna likes milk products. I mean, it's not just a question of putting little, you know, cow figurines on the altar. (laughs) But he actually likes milk products. So, my personal take on this is something we talked about last time I was here for several hours. And that is getting a vision for society. Because we see practically that when the official legal entity, ISKCON, runs farms, it's rather problematic. I mean, I'm sorry to say, we don't have very many good examples of the legal official organization, ISKCON, running farms. Am I correct? Yes. We have a few good examples, but mostly we don't. And I've been very closely associated with a number of this kind of farms. The, the track record is not good. You know, you end up having like 20 cows just eating grass and giving cow dung. And nobody does anything with it. Yes? Yes? Is this the hard truth? So to have cow protection really means 
to activate the devotees or the non-devotees who are Vaishyas by nature and who are that subcategory of Vaishyas that they are interested in cow protection. Not all Vaishyas are interested in cow protection. Some are interested in running a bank. Some are interested in running a clothing store or a restaurant. It's not that every Vaishya wants to take care of cows. So it's a question of activating those people within our society and outside our society who have the natural inclination to take care of cows and guiding and facilitating them. That's what we should be doing. And we should be doing this with everybody according to their nature. On the positive side, there is a movement in society in general away from animal slaughter, and it's increasing. Among people in general, there's a growing interest in moving away from meat, yes? Especially with young people. People are starting to understand that meat-eating is bad for their health, it's bad for their karma, and it's bad for the planet. So we do have more and more people who are open to this concept. Are we finding those people who have that nature and helping them to start some sort of ahimsa dairy? So Sita Ramprabhu has been working on this in the UK for many, many years, trying to make an ahimsa dairy economically viable and working with non-devotees to create you know, economically viable ahimsa dairies. I don't know of anyone else doing that. There may be someone else doing it in Brazil or something that I don't know about. And I also know some devotees who started their own ahimsa dairies on their own as their own private business. And some of them are very, very successful. So I'd like to see us, you know, encourage that in society. But we definitely should be, we should be trying to move towards that and trying to move away from indirectly facilitating the slaughterhouse economy. I, I don't think that that's, I think that's kind of, everybody would say, yes, we shouldn't be supporting the slaughterhouse economy. But how to do that in a, in a sane and reasonable way? And this comes from vision. You know, I, I don't see any way to escape it. It comes from a vision. And I have to also say frankly that I hear very, very few of our leaders talking about having a vision for society. I am very rare. I hear it from Bhakti Vasai and Sagar Maharaj, but not from very many other people. And, and I was at a, a leaders' meeting not very long ago in America where I was saying, you know, we need to have a vision for society as a whole. And people said, oh, that's, that's too impractical. So it's, that's my take on And please don't use these controversial things as an excuse for Vaishnava Parad. That's not a very good idea. Please, whether you drink milk from the shop or you keep your own cow in your backyard and you're a vegan, please don't commit Vaishnava That's much more important than where you get your milk from. 
you know, and we're not going to attract anybody to a Krishna conscious lifestyle. We're not going to attract anyone to ahimsa dairies if we fight among ourselves and offend each other over all these little things. You know, that's that that's not if, if we want to have all the dairies in the world be ahimsa, let's be ahimsa to the other devotees first. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, you see a, a, a guy, he treats the cow better than he treats his wife. You know, he's petting the cow and he hits his wife. So that, that's not going to be right. Was that all right? Shri Prabhupada Ki.